Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Give Jesus a great big hand clap on this Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Before you're seated, lift both hands to the Lord today. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do this week in advance. We thank you for the plan of the devil for the United States of America and Alaska being driven back every day. Thank you for your power moving through this nation one more time before you call your church home. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it and give you praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord another great hand clap and you can be seated. Our time's limited in the 9 a.m. service, which you know, that's why you come to the 9 a.m. service. So uh, if you would, take your Bible and open it with me to Deuteronomy 28. I'll get right into it. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, the first verse. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. The Bible says, if you fully obey the Lord your God. Say that with me. Say, fully obey. Because everybody loves to amen the next 13 verses, but it's all predicated with this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience, everybody say, I'll experience. experience. And I'm not one of those evangelists that just has everybody repeat something so I can catch my breath, but I, I want you to see that. Fully obey, and then God said, if you fully obey, then you will experience. What will you experience? All of these blessings, not some of these blessings, or one or two of these will come your way. You will experience, and the reason I had you say experience is it's experience. It's not you'll believe in blessings. I grew up in church. It was, you know, I may not have any money in my bank account, but the word of God says I'm blessed. Well, that that might be true for the first six months. But if you're still saying that after 20 years, there's a problem. Because the, the Bible doesn't say you'll believe in all these blessings. The Bible says you'll experience all these blessings. So everything starts just like when you get saved. You come up to the altar if you believe in your heart uh, that Jesus is Lord and confess uh, that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You're saved. Believe and confess. So when you, co- when you come up, you could still smell like marijuana or have alcohol on your breath or have a worn out for your arrest or all three plus more things. But as soon as you make that belief in your heart and confess it, then the Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue and it starts to reverse all those things. And so it's like that with this. You believe it first and speak it first, but it is not to stay in the realm of believing and speaking. You're speaking is like God. He said, let there be light, and there was light. So the Bible says these blessings, <laughs> and I really do, I'm not saying this to be funny. Nobody's in the mood to hear jokes at 9.37 in the morning. <laughs> but I really do believe, as somebody that grew up in church, and when I say grew up in church, I mean grew up in church. Two weeks out of the hospital, I was on a boat to Nova Scotia with my father to be in meetings. We didn't have a house till I was six years old. Sunday to Friday, travel Saturday, Sunday to Friday, just in church. I've been around church people all my life. I really believe that for 90 plus percent of people that go to church, this book, if they know it at all, 92% of preachers have never read the Bible through one time. 96% of Christians have never read it through. So even for the small percentage that have actually taken the time to do what God said and devour this, to them it is not 
reality. It's like little quotes to get you through a hard time, almost like a big, a big thick collection of Hallmark cards. So if you're, you know, you're getting ready to play high school football, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You say that and, and go out and play. It's a bunch of lines you quote rather than what, and, and I heard somebody not long ago in, in a meeting I was in, I wasn't speaking. Heard, heard you know, people want to put a scripture over their problems in life like a Band-Aid, but you actually have to deal with the real root of the problem as if the Bible's like fake. The Bible says, the apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. And so I, I want to tell you, for all the phony stuff I was around from the age of two weeks till now at 38 years old, I was also around the real thing. And I have now, going on 40 years old, have realized that what God said is true. If you will hearken, which is, a, which is a word nobody uses anymore, you don't tell your child, listen, I told you to mow the grass, you better hearken unto me the next time I ask you, or you're going to get hurt. No, hearken, mean, hearken doesn't just mean listen. Hearken means listen with the intent to do. If you will hearken unto me, and the thing I'll testify to is I decided to get serious at a, at a young age and then very serious probably about I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe 11, where I'm, I'm going to take this thing as if I was living in 2000 B.C., not give two poos what American culture thinks about one of these things that's said, and just live like Abraham lived, pretend I'm in a land of Philistines that don't know anything about God, and take this instruction and do it. God said, if you do that, the, these commands are not to help me. These commands are for you to experience all of these blessings. If you can testify that God keeps his word when you engage his word, can you say a loud amen? amen. So, I mean, if there's one thing that I, I could get to people, it's that this is not something that, you know, because this is church, we would just like to speak a message, but we have to read a couple verses out of this or it doesn't seem right, and then let's, let's get into talking. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word takes you from where you are. God said, I honor my word above my name. So when you, when you read this, and don't read it as a bunch of lines to get you through a difficult time or something just nice, you know, like a Hallmark card uh, to, to say when you're going through a difficult time. When you see that it's instructions that will put a light on your path, and then the Bible tells you where that path will take you. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. I might go back to Deuteronomy 28. might not. Proverbs 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. My child, listen to me and do as I say. And then what? See, this is the thing that separates T.L. Osborne said, who, who traveled to almost every country of the world to preach. If you study world religions, Christianity is the only religion where the God claims to love the people. If you go to any other religion, it's do what I say. It's like the IRS. The IRS has no concern for you. You do what we say or there's going to be trouble, but they don't say, no, but if you pay your taxes, we're going to come by, you know, twice a day and just drop off some cookies and see how you're doing. You know, that's how most religions are. Almost every religion besides Christianity, it's you, you pray this many times a day, you come here at this time, you give two coconuts to this idol on Saturday, 
or there'll be a curse. But the Bible, God said, he is a rewarder, a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I want you not just to see that these are full of commands, but that the commands are for your profiting. It's God showing you a way to live. That if you do things this way and be a peculiar people, look at what the world does and have no part of it, but raise your family. As for me and my house, we will serve. And serve means fear and listen to and obey. We will serve the Lord. God said, if you'll do that, then you'll see what happens to the heathen, but it won't happen to you. You will be light in darkness. I will set you far above all the nations of the world, and the heathen will see it and know that you're a people claimed by God and stand in awe of you. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you'll have a long, good life. Everybody say long. Everybody say good. Yeah, not short and good and not long and you've been staying in the back small room of your grandchildren's house for the last 15 years and they bring you some water and food every once in a while. It's long and good like your father Abraham. What's the secret to it? Listen to me and do what I say. Listen to me and do what I say. And boy, does America hate that. I do what I want. Nobody tells me what to do. Let me tell you, nobody's more pro-freedom than me. Probably the only person who's more pro-freedom than me is God. God created people to be free. But what you're going to find out is, in life, you are going to serve something. You're either going to serve God or <laughs> look at all the people that, that won't be in church today because they want to be free. I do what I want. But then you hear them talk. I've been trying to uh, stop smoking, man. I just can't stop. Well, you don't sound too free. I've been trying to get off pills, man. I can't get off pills. My, my uh, I won't say who, but someone I know has a friend that in high school, she slept around all the time, and then before she got married, she told her friends. She would tell her friends who were getting married, before you get married, get it out of your system. Go to the clubs, sleep around, then get it all out of your system, and then get married. That's what she did, and then she just had an affair, and getting ready to lose. You know what you find out? You can't get it out of your system. You don't sin on your terms. You either serve God or you will serve the devil with tears. But when you serve God, he doesn't make you do anything. He gives you commands and he said, if you follow these commands, I will set you on high above all the nations of the world. God, will you say one more thing with me? Say, God's commands are for my profiting. Yeah, you know, and... and if people feel the opposite of that, it's almost like preacher's fault because they would make it sound like, well, you know, I mean, I, anybody that went to youth camp that grew up in church, every speaker was, I used to be in the NFL and I was making a lot of money and I had a Mercedes Benz and I had, I had a girlfriend and, and then I got saved. Now I have a car held together by Christian bumper stickers and uh, I don't have any money. I don't even know how I'm going to get home from this meeting, but one day it'll be worth it. They, they, they never portrayed, they never portrayed getting saved as a step up. They always made it a step down. But maybe they, the, the reason it's easier for me to see it how the Bible says it is I, my last name, if you saw on the thing, is Shuttlesworth. Everybody knows now, my cousin was here preaching earlier in the year, I'm here preaching now, my dad's been here to preach. But if you go a couple generations before that, my grandfather got saved as a teenager, the only person saved in his family. No one in the Shuttlesworth family had any teeth. They were all coal miners in West Virginia, 
And back then, coal miners were about a quarter step from slavery. You weren't even paid in U.S. dollars. You were paid in company notes that you could only spend at the company store. They got you going in, and they got you going out. Nobody could afford to go to a dentist, small house, just enough food to get to work and work. And then my grandfather got saved. And when he got saved, he really gave his life to the Lord. No support. Parents thought he was crazy. You know, if your parents think you're crazy when you get saved, then you say you're going to go to Bible college. They really think you're crazy. Because and then now you've lost another means of income. You were going to have a son that was going to join you to work in the mines. At least you could kind of double up the money. Now he's going because he joined some cult. You know, that's what they think. Or if you're Catholic, my daughter became a nun now. I guess she's going off to Bible college. They don't get it. So he goes and stays, graduates, meets my grandmother. They come back. They don't have any full-time ministry position. One morning, my grandmother wakes up to make food, 1952. There's no food, and they have no money. And she gets ready to pray. And when she gets ready to pray, she looks out the window, and 21 chickens are coming down the hill towards their house, which that would make anybody stop praying. Because chicken, chickens don't, you know, they don't march or protest. They don't like to go out for walks. They basically stay confined in their little pen. So she comes out and looks. 21 chickens come down the hill, take a turn on her property, go into their shed. And as she comes out to see what they're doing in the shed, all 21 chickens laid an egg, got up, got back in line, and started to march back up the, sh- up, up the hill. My grandmother... My grandmother's very different from me. I would have gathered the eggs right there and claimed the scripture, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. But my grandmother took a basket, gathered all the eggs up, and followed the chickens up the hill. And when they went about a quarter mile up the hill to somebody else's property, my grandmother knocked on the door. Lady answered. She said, your chickens got loose and laid eggs on my property. I, uh, I brought them to you. The lady said, no, those can't be our chickens. My husband hates those chickens. Ever since he bought them, they've never laid one egg. My grandmother said, I promise you they're your chickens. I saw them come on the property, and then I followed them back into the coop. She said with a cigarette, if they laid them on your property, you can have them. So my grandmother went back there and told my grandfather, Mickey, hey, we're eating. They told him what happened. They thanked God for the food and ate the food. And from there, it was one thing like that after another where God went out of his way to show my grandparents, if you serve me, I don't let my people starve. You will never see a sparrow fall out of the sky from starvation, and I care more about you than I do about them. God is looking to take good care of you. I was, uh, I was at a place of business, and the lady that I do business with she started following me on, on Twitter and, and all that. And then she said, what is, does your sister preach too? Yeah. And then I saw that your dad preaches. Yeah. She said, now your daughter, is she going to have to preach too? I said, none of us have to. All of us got around it. And we started to fall in love with this God. Because we saw that he didn't print a big book to tell us how you have to live. You are free. I mean, now that I'm almost 40, you don't have to, nobody has to talk me into living right. You watch all your friends from high school that think they know everything. They'll actually start coming back around the ones that are still alive in their mid-30s. Tell me again about marriage. Tell me again about going to church. Tell me again about giving. Because they start to see 
The wages of sin. A fish is as happy as can be when it first bites into the bait. But as soon as it realizes there's a hook in its mouth and it's no longer free to do what it wants, it's not happy anymore. And so people start to realize, I thought I was living how I wanted. I'm actually not living how I want. I haven't enjoyed drinking beer in eight years. I haven't enjoyed going to a bar for over 10 years. And it's like I still am caught up. But when you come to God, he not only, and this is, this is where I'll have my life's work cut out for me. He not only sets you free. Because you say, he'll set you free. Everybody says, amen. amen. Yeah. But then what good is it to be free and have nothing to do? What, what, what's the, uh, res, whatever that long word is within our recidivation or whatever they use for when people get released from prison? 87% go back into prison? Yeah, they get set free. They got no ride. Some of them have to call an old friend that's the one they got arrested with in the first place, get pulled over on, I talked to a guy. He got pulled over on his way out of jail and there was weed in the car. And it was right back to jail. He said, it's not mine. But everyone says, it's not mine. So he went right back. It doesn't do any good just to be free. If you, got, if you were doing special forces in Yemen or Oman, and you got captured, and I was sent as a Navy SEAL. First of all, you know the Navy SEALs had severely lowered their standards. If I was sent as a Navy SEAL, to break you out of prison. And all of a sudden, a charge went on the door. The door came open. And you saw me. Thank God. I had an American flag on, on, on my shirt. Had camo on. And I said, there, you're free to go. And then I went to leave. You'd say, wait. I, thank you for rescuing me. But I, I, I don't even know where I'm at. I need help. Well, I just came to set you free. And then I walk off. Well, you'd be kind of thankful for me. And then when you got, if you made it back to America, you don't say, what the heck were you doing? You left me in enemy territory all by myself, no weapons, no nothing. You know, that's what, you hear a church like this that's called a full gospel church. That's what, a, you never see a church that says half gospel, 18% gospel. So what's with the full gospel thing? For a long time, all people preached was, that you're free. Well, the Lord set me free. I used to be an alcoholic, now I'm free. But if all you've been is let out of prison, nowhere to go, no ride, no mission, no weapons, you are going to get recaptured in enemy territory. Because though Christ set us free, we're not home yet. We're still in Yemen or Oman. But I have good news. Jesus said, I'm going to set you free. But after I leave, I am sending another. His name is the Holy Spirit who will be with you always. The Bible talks about how he gives us weapons. The Bible tells us where he'll lead us. That he doesn't lead us lower. He doesn't lead us back into captivity. He leads us higher and higher to do a great work. To frustrate the plans of the devil and to obtain the high blessing of God. If you know that God has set you free and empowered you to go high. Take 15 seconds. Clap those hands all ye people and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say, I'm not just free. I'm not just free. 
I'm empowered. Yeah. Now, if I broke you out of prison and then I said, I'm leaving, you said, wait, don't leave me. And I said, don't worry about it. Let me introduce you to this man. He has weapons, major weapons. And he's going to take you out of this enemy territory and show you the way to go back home. Now, and then there's a big battalion of angels. Now you won't be so worried anymore. You can walk with your shoulders back and have no fear because I broke you out, but then I gave you somebody else that's going to be with you while you're here to take you to the land that God said belongs to you. That's why there is such a resistance against the Holy Ghost. They don't care if you talk about truth, the Bible, even baby Jesus. But if you start getting into the Holy Ghost and fire, where now you live in enemy territory, but you carry something that makes you a threat, where the things that take over and hold other people hostage can't take you over and hold you hostage, then all hell breaks loose because the devil can't stop the Holy Ghost. The devil can't stop the power of God. The devil can't stop the blessing of God. He can only get you to be ashamed of it. What church do you go to? I go to King's Chapel, Wasilla. Oh, that one. You know, we go to church too, but we, you know, I don't think. I've been there. I went once. They were like really happy. You know, I didn't like that. I heard they speak in tongues there. Yeah, you know, I don't think you need to do that. Who cares what you think? The one thing, the one thing you're going to have to settle. If you've missed everything and you miss everything, I say all week, don't miss what I'm about to say. The one gift you're going to have to let God give you, if you're going to walk in the high blessing of God, is a gift called, I don't care. I don't care what the world values. I've seen, I know they think I'm crazy, but I've seen what they celebrate. I think you are crazy. And I've seen what God values. And when you see what God values you, Values and let it give you a distaste for the things of this world. They used to sing a song when I was growing up in church that the things of this earth would grow strangely dim. God, God has to give you a grace where you don't care what they think on CNN. You don't care what the Democrats and Republicans think. You care what God's word says. You do what God's word says. And when you do what God's word says, you get what God's word says belongs to you. But you can't be half committed. Jesus will either be everything or he'll be nothing at all. You can't be 50% in. You can't be, I'll go to church if I can get work off. You can't be an American Christian. I just, I mean, I, people write me all the time because they hear how I preach and now I preach on, on TV so more people hear it and they write, you know, they want to justify themselves. I heard you say that we have to keep Sunday set apart to the Lord. I have to work Sunday. Oh, do you? You live in Pakistan? Or do you live in America? Oh, I live in America. Um, but my boss said we have to work Sunday. You're your boss. You could sue that company till it's named after you if they enforce that. Because you have to give everybody. I mean, what a weak bunch of people to not even be able to live for God in a place where there's legal, legal and enforced religious freedom. Well, I have to work. If they make you work, first of all, you don't even have to give me a break. Service is from 9 to 10.30. You don't have to request the day off. You tell your boss, I got to leave at 8.30. I'll be back at 11. 
Or if you're working far away, I got to leave at 745. I'll be back at 1 p.m. Did you know a Haitian woman? It would take somebody from another country because no American, no American until at the end of this week. No American would do this. This woman comes from Haiti, devout, washes dishes at a hotel, and they tell her, you have to work Sunday. She says, I can't work Sunday. I'm a Christian. Imagine that. Imagine actually doing, because that's what I started with. Everything starts with, if you will hearken to do, not some of what I've commanded you, all that I've commanded you to do, then all these blessings will pursue and overtake you. And you know why so many people are frustrated? Man, I haven't really seen those blessings. You know, I go to church. Is the command go to church? The command is like tons of things. Well, that's a lot of things. I don't think anyone can do that. I have a, a, a counter quote. Jesus said that these commands are not too difficult to bear. Anybody can do them. Come unto me. It's actually hard not serving God. The way of the transgressor is hard. But come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. I mean, you know, it's hard serving the Lord. I don't know who you're serving, but it ain't the Lord. Religion's hard. Getting in some kind of mean group of Christians with a church is hard. But serving the Lord is not hard. Serving the Lord is a joy. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Come on, if you can testify today at 10 o'clock. It's good to serve the Lord. It's a good thing to serve the Lord. Let him hear your hand clap out of Wasilla that you're not here by force. You love the Lord your God. So that, that lady says, I can't work. So they start docking her pay illegally, which she doesn't know. She's just taking one on the chin. All right, I'd rather serve the Lord and get my pay docked than not serve the Lord. God will never let you. Nobody pursues God at a loss. Yep. Nobody puts God first and finishes second. Amen. Doesn't happen. Amen. Some lawyer finds out, and then finally they fire her because she refuses to work Sunday. People are going to go to hell over a $9 an hour dishwashing job. But not her. No. And you know, it's a modern thing. You can study back in the early part of the 1900s. There were Olympic athletes that would not run their event when it was held on Sunday morning. So it's, it's the new thing that it's just like church is something on your list. If hockey's canceled and my sister doesn't have soccer practice and I think they're going to postpone finals for a week, I think we might be able to come to one of the services this week. And then people think that they're in this and they're not in it. God is a covenant God. Covenant is I'm all in. I mean, marriage is a covenant. Marriage isn't like, you know, I'm going to try to like stay together with you, but then, I, no. Marriage is it's me and you to the death. And God is, a, it's me and you. I'll never leave you. On his end, it's not, you know, I have a lot going on. But I'm, it's I'm all in for you. If you'll simply be all in for me and live in this land, but have no other gods before me. And ask Chick-fil-A whether it works or not. Ask Chick-fil-A whether this is an old thing that doesn't work anymore or whether it's still in effect. Imagine that there's still a company that takes Sunday off when every Christian leaves church hungry for fried chicken.
I've always, I've always said if Chick-fil-A ever changes their policy, I'll criticize them publicly, but eat there every Sunday. <laughs> I've even wrote them and said, technically, can't you open at 12.01 a.m.? I'll wait in the parking lot after the night service. There's still a business that closes on Sunday. But people all only know about, well, the Bible says that you're to take one day and set it apart. But they never get the blessing part. And if you do set one day apart, I will bless you more in the six days that you're open than the heathen are blessed in seven days. They still give 10% off the top of their gross income. 70% of restaurants fail with 100%. So how are you going to make it with 90%? They don't understand. Better 90% blessed than 100% cursed. And when you drive by a Chick-fil-A or walk by one in an airport, you feel bad for the other restaurants. It's three lines deep at Chick-fil-A, and then you look at all the other restaurants, it's one employee on their cell phone. Because the blessing of God is real. I said the blessing of God is real. Well, you know, that's not really important to me. Then you are not bright. Because if you have a choice to go through life cursed or go through life blessed, what fool would go through life cursed? What fool would want to have to say what you hear people say, oh, you know, how hard life is, this just happened, I don't know what I'm going to do, my air conditioning just broke, or of course you don't have that problem here, my heater just broke. My heater just broke at my house and we need to get it fixed. But then the alternator just went on my wife's car that she needs for work. And so I, have to, I don't know what I'm going to do. The Bible says if you'll serve me, you're not going to have any of those things. No harm will come near your dwelling. I will order my angels to have guard over you. I'll put a hedge of protection around you, your family, and everything you own. And I want to tell you something. God's word never changes. You can see it with Chick-fil-A. It doesn't change. The media wants you to think, this is, a, you know, this is really an old book that needs updated. To f no, actually, you don't take this Bible and bring it down to where people can reach it. You give people power by the Holy Ghost to come up out of the filth of 2019 and obtain the high level of God. That's what I want to preach here tonight and all week and today. You're not like everybody else. You don't have to live like they've brainwashed you to live in this country. God said, hallelujah. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Yeah, I was born in America, but God created me. This country did not create me. They don't have say over how I live. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I not only knew you, I had your life marked out. And if you hook up with me, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I'll take you higher. See how the heathen live? I'll put you so up high that even the ones that don't serve God will have to take the blunt out of their mouth and go, man, he must know somebody. I don't know how anybody could live like that in this economy. God said, if you'll serve me, I'll make you a wonder. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. What no eye has seen. It's not talking about heaven. Ask Abraham if it was talking about heaven. Ask Isaac if it was talking about heaven. Ask Jacob if it was talking about heaven. Ask David if it was talking about heaven. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what has never entered into the heart of man, that's what I have reserved for those 
who love me. So you can go to any church. I could preach in any full gospel church today and say, how many of you love God? Every hand goes up. And they mean it. But they don't know what love is. Just like you, you talk to Pastor Daniel or any pastor. You call in any couple for marriage counseling or they want marriage counseling. They're on the brink of divorce. You ask both people, they say they love, they love the spouse. Obviously, they wouldn't even come to marriage counseling to try to save it. But they don't, they don't know how to love. They think they know what love is. Yeah, you know, I, I'm friends with them on Facebook. I think they're great. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's what the Bible says. It is the opposite of what they've trained my generation. That God's actually the one responsible to track you down. It's not. God's seated in heaven. If you didn't come to church today, his self-esteem would have remained unaffected. He can't get any higher. He's already the most high. It's not his responsibility to come after me. It's my responsibility to follow hard after him. So God lays this red book out with commands that are for my profiting. I'm telling you, if you can catch anything from me in this service, see the Bible when you go to it in your study time, that what he's asking me to do is not for his benefit. It's the harder I do it, the harder his blessings will chase after me. The more uncommon my commitment is to him, the more uncommon my life will become on the earth. That's the story of the Bible. It's a story of simple men, weak men, weak women, simple women, people thrown on the trash heap of life that decided to serve God with all their heart and God made them a wonder to their generation. I tell you, in this room, out of this room, there will emerge in Alaska the future heroes of this state that everything the devil had planned for this great nation called Alaska, people will come out of this place who know their God, have become empowered by their God, and will do exploits in his name. If you know that's why the grace of God drew you here today, take 10 more seconds, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You're not like everybody else. You don't have to live like everybody else. Hey, say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I'm not like everybody else. Say, I don't have to live like everybody else. God's word still works, my friend. Try it out. Hang around your people that have shucked marriage and see how happy they are with their living girlfriend and boy. It's horrible. Well, I don't think it is. Watch Judge Judy. It'll prove my point. People that were in love eight months ago now suing each other for an old couch. Doesn't work. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is is death. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Jesus said, please catch this. Jesus said, I would that you be hot. Revelation 3, verses 15 to 20. I would that you be hot. Or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I want to tell you, if you want to live a life of complete frustration, then serve God half-heartedly, 80% heartedly. Because you get no of, none of the benefit. You just, but you still have like two hours that you have to be out on Sunday. And it's just frustrating. 
We gave all that money to the church and I lost my, you're one of those people. Because you have not committed. Commit thy way unto me and I will make you prosper. Not commit two hours on Sunday. This is a place you receive something from a high priest of God. Delivered into your spirit to empower you to live the way the word. But then from here on out, the Bible says talk about it while you're at home. Teach your children. Turn to Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 8. Therefore, be careful to obey every command, there it is again, that I'm giving you today, so that you may have strength. Say, I will have strength. Strength to do what? Strength to go in and take over the land you're about to enter. Say this out loud I'm not here to survive. I'm here to take over. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life. There it is again. In the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to their descendants. A land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you're about to enter, God's telling you if you obey his command, what he's going to do. For the land you're about to enter is not like the land of Egypt from which you came. Where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches. With your foot is in a vegetable garden. Rather, the land you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain, a land that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it through each season of the year. If you carefully obey all the commands that I'm giving you today and be careful to obey them, if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will send rains in their proper season, the early and the latter rains. So that you can bring in your harvest. I'm not talking about, he's telling he's going to help you of grain, new wine, and olive oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your livestock. And you yourselves will eat in plenty. But be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He'll shut up the sky and hold back the rain and the ground will fail to produce its harvest. Then you'll quickly die in the good land the Lord has given you. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly. There it is again. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to what? To these words of mine. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates so that it will be as it were in the King James. Days of heaven on earth. If you do these things, it will be as it were. Days of heaven on earth. Most people that you're going to be around this week, I don't mean from this church. I mean when you work and get out in the real world, which is good to do. All you hear people talking about is how their life is like hell on earth. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, tomorrow, you'll just say a simple thing to people. How are you today? It's Monday. I didn't ask you what day of the week it is. You know what they mean when they're saying that? Start of another week where I work a job I hate to get a little extra money to go get messed up on the weekend. 
recover and start again next Monday. Hell on earth. Nothing works out. Nothing goes right. Listen to the songs. Doesn't matter whether it's hip-hop, R&B, pop, country. It don't make any difference. They're all saying the same thing. Life's hard. Nothing works out. But that is not the way of the Christian. If you will commit to me, commit to my word, talk about it when you're at home. Some of you had people prophesy garbage over your life. From the t- You'd be just playing Nintendo, laughing. Your stepdad come in the room, your mother, ah, wait till you're my age, laughing, are you? Wait till you're paying the heat on this place. They started getting you set up. Enjoy life now because by the time you're 13 or 14, it's going to get hard. When you're in your 20s, forget it. 30, 40, you wish you are dead. But that's not us. Now, listen, not only are you blessed, your children are never going to have to battle what you battled. They're never going to hear what you heard. They're going to hear, we serve the Lord. He is good. He is making a way where there is no way. Because faith comes by hearing. I said faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word. He said, tell your children. Tell them, tell them the opposite. I've made a point. Just say the opposite because I know what other parents say. Hey, Camila, you see the nice place we're staying? Yeah. See all the stuff we got to do this week? Yeah. Do you know who did that? You did it. No, I didn't. Jesus did it for us. And that you see how good he's been to me and your mama? He'll be even better to you. Because the curse goes to the fourth generation, but the blessing goes to a thousand generations. I want to tell every Alaskan, everybody watching online, you're not cursed. You are blessed. You walk a different path. If you'll obey these commands of mine. So do you some good to find what the commands are. Turn to Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26. Verse 1, Deuteronomy 26, 1. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you as a special possession and have conquered it and settled there, put some of the first produce from your harvest into a basket. Mine of those churches always have to pass the basket. Even the basket's in the Bible. People complain because they never read. Tells you to put it in a basket. Genius. All they ever do is pass those buckets. Take it and put it in a basket. And bring it to the designated place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Go to the priest in charge at that time. That preacher just always always have to give the money to him. You're not giving it to him. You give it to the Lord and the priest is to receive it on behalf of the Lord. It's all in the Bible. The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. You must then say in the presence of the Lord your God. Everybody say, I must say. You must say in the presence of the Lord your God. My ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard our cries and saw our hardship, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand 
and a powerful arm. Say, say it out loud. Say, God brought me out. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong right hand and a powerful arm, with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O oh Lord, I have brought you the first portion of the harvest. This is all what you're supposed to be saying to the Lord at offering time. Offering time is not supposed to sound like a funeral, like it sounds like at every church. You think people have given both their kidneys in the offering. Everybody gets sad. You could have the most wild, charismatic people I've grown up around in my whole life. They shout and scream and dance. As soon as it's offering time, they turn into Presbyterians. Because any time, listen, any time there's something required of you, that's where you separate the men from the boys. You go talk to Pastor Daniel. I haven't talked to him yet. I just got here literally at 927. But I know church. If there's one thing I know, I know church. Like like, uh, like, like Bill Belichick knows football. He's been around it his whole life. His dad was a coach in Maryland. I have been around church people and preachers my whole life. And when it comes time for something to be required, people go missing and people just live in this. I, I would like to know the count of how many people have come to Pastor Daniel. When's the church going to be ready? Okay. Well, let me, like it's just popping up. You know, God's in heaven right now with a great desire for the church to be ready. And the church is going to get built with, I don't know if I'm, I hope I'm not contradicting what other people have said because all they do, you know, we need your giving and without your giving. Let me tell you something. God's will will get done with me or without me, with you or without you. It's a test to see who's interested. He said in Hosea, you have built fine, Haggai, sorry. You have built fine homes for you to live in while my house lies in ruins. And you wonder, he wanted, it irritated him. He doesn't care about you having a fine home. He'll give you the better one than you'd build for yourself. But seek ye first the advancement of my kingdom and then all the other things that you could be dying trying to get. I will add them unto you. So say, say it. Bow to the ground in worship before him and place it before the Lord. Verse 11, afterward you may go and celebrate because of all the good things the Lord your God has given you in your household. Remember to include the Levites and foreigners living among you in the celebration. And then for the sake of time, turn, go to verse 15. Sorry, 13. Then you must declare in the presence of the Lord your God, I have taken the sacred gift from my house and have given it to the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows, just as you commanded me. I have not violated or forgotten any of your commands. I have not eaten it or handled it while I was unclean, and I have not offered it to the dead. We're going to receive revival meetings. We'll start tonight. But this morning is something very holy. Don't ever disconnect offerings like it's like some side thing, but really. God cares about giving. Cares about it heavy. We're going to receive an offering on this Victory Sunday. And I want you to try something. That you don't see this as helping to build a church. You see it as one of the commands that God said. is your ticket to going high. And then today. Of course, I'm sure they announced it a long time ago. And people have had a chance to prepare. You're going to have a hard time out giving me. I came with a check for $10,000. 
I came with an amount that's more than what most evangelists would be believing for to come in the week, which makes no sense. It's a path to bankruptcy, to fly yourself here with an assistant, get your own place to stay, get your own food, and then bring 10 grand. But you know what you're going to find out? Like the widow in 1 Kings 17. You start off thinking Elijah wants your food so he can eat. But you end up realizing that you putting God's work first makes what wasn't enough overflow for three years by one offering. And I only brought up what I'm giving because of CNN and HBO and these preachers dress up in their blue suit and their red tie. and then Yeah, good luck out giving me, and I hope you do. But I'll put the first five figures in because we are so behind in the body of Christ. That church should have been paid for by one Christian. There should have been a lineup of nine of us saying, let me write the whole check. But there wasn't. But the day will come, says the Lord, where the wealth that is in the hands of the wicked will come into the hands of the just. Can you say amen? amen. So I'm going to challenge you right now to do what God said and then watch him do what he says. Get a check out. If you give online, they can put the online instruction up. Musicians can hold off. Everyone should give, not play. Give. Media team, everybody. Ask the Lord what he'd have you to give, and then you're free to give or not give. It's a free will offering. Guy took an hour taking an offering. No, I'm actually, if you're watching, it's going to take four minutes to take the offering. I taught on the blessing for before that. <laughs> took an offering like I'm holding the Desert Eagle 50 caliber over everybody's head. It's free will. I'm not going to check a box who gave and who didn't give. But once you start understanding that Pastor Daniel receives it, it's going to build that church. But God receives it as an offering in heaven. And he said, if you return it unto me, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that's so great, the only problem you'll have for the rest of your life is where to put it all. Then he said, only place in the Bible. Try it and let me prove it to you. So... If you would put the instructions, the text to give on, on the screen and keep it up. I'll give you about two minutes to make up your mind whether you're going to get involved in what God wants done and then to what degree. And when you get it ready, I'm going to have you stand up in just a minute and we're going to do what the Bible said and declare because this scripture that I read in Deuteronomy 26, I had never heard any teaching on. The only teaching on prosperity I ever heard growing up was warning, warnings about it. Be careful about those prosperity preachers. Better be careful. Be careful. But then God used the man to preach the sermon. He's in his 60s. I started to understand in one sermon that I was the seed of Abraham and an heir according to everything God promised him. I gave my last $72 in that offering. Somebody gave me a 1000 I was going to not eat for 10 days because I didn't get paid for another 10 days. But it so hit me, and I so felt to give everything I had. I just thought, oh, it would be an easy fast. But it didn't work that way. Somebody gave me a 1000 on the way out from church, never told anybody I was low on money, was dressed nice. And then it's been rebounding. Now 72 doesn't clean me out. Now you can bring 10000 as an offering. It's, a, it's great. And the day will come where it will be 100000 in a million, anything Planned Parenthood can do cursed, we should be able to do much more blessed. 
I'm going to tell you one thing before you leave today. If some reporter ever finds me somewhere and starts giving me a hard time for owning a jet or anything else, I'm going to say, just pretend I'm a pornographer and you'll feel better about it. I've never understood why everybody's allowed to have nice things. Look, at the, I'm sure they'll raise some huge stink about the church that's being built. Why do they need a church that big while, there's un, while the unemployment level's high? Somebody tell me what building a smaller church would help with unemployment. Building a big church is actually employing people. I caught a rare disease about 12 years ago where I don't give a flip what the world thinks about the blessing of God. If your father buys you a coat of many colors, you don't put it in the closet because your brothers don't like it. You break that sucker out and wear it. If a hip-hop star can have two Rolexes on one wrist, I don't feel bad about having one. I've never understood why they celebrate all the wealth of people that get it through wicked means, casino owners. And then when the church starts to get into the blessing... You think you're Hitler reincarnated. You want to know why it is? A poor church is no threat to the kingdom of hell. Can't get the message out. But a church that commands the wealth that they commanded in the book of Acts, where there was no poverty among them, you can shake the world in 17 chapters. And this church will leave a mark on planet earth. I said this church will leave a mark on planet earth before Jesus calls us home. Can you say amen? So take your... Fill it out. You spell thousand, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D. Give your best to the Lord and then say. And that's what I was getting ready to say. i got two minutes. That I never did because I never heard any teaching on the profession, just warnings about it. He's name it, claim it. People say you can speak and it exists. But I just read it and did it. Forget what everybody criticizes. He said, when you take your offering, say, I was a wandering Aramean in a foreign land. The Old Testament looks back to Passover. The New Testament looks back to Calvary. So we don't say when we hold up our offering, I was a wandering Aramean in a strange land. We weren't. We say, I was lost in sin, bound in the slavery of the devil. And then they said to say, but you brought me out with your strong, you say, and you brought me out by the blood of Jesus at Calvary. And then the third part, And now you're taking me to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And again, that land that's flowing with milk and honey ain't heaven. It's talking about Canaan. Canaan had giants in it. Canaan had enemies in it. There's no giants you have to conquer to take heaven. You just go through the gates and enjoy. But God was saying on this earth, I will put you in a place called Canaan that's flowing with milk and honey. Don't let any devil deceive you. Life doesn't have to be hard. Don't let any demon deceive you, even in your own family. Everyone is not struggling. There are people sitting in Manhattan that just made more interest than the money it's going to cost to build the church and haven't left their room yet. And life's hard. It's a struggle. That's a devil talking. God said, if you put me first and your money proves where your heart is, then I will. uh, the blessing of God is the answer for the struggles of man. And I want to invite you, I want you to see this offering today as an invitation to step in to the blessing of God. That life, the struggles that have been in your family can be broken and cease with you. And your children just hear stories about it and go, wow, that sounds crazy. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody.
Hold your offering up. If you gave by phone, you can hold your phone up. My check's with my assistant who went out to get me a drink from Awakening Espresso. So I'll just hold my hand up. Hold your offering up and say this from your heart. Try it. Try doing it the way the Bible says. Say, thank you, Father. I was a wandering Aramean in a strange land. I was lost in sin. But you brought me out with your strong right hand and with the blood of your son, Jesus. And now you're bringing me into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. So I give this offering to you to show you that I know it wasn't me that did it. I know you brought me out. And I give this to honor you. Receive my offering. Bless my life. Bless my children. Bless my family. I give myself to you. In Jesus' name. Now lift your other hand up next to it and take about 30 seconds and don't clap, but out of your mouth, begin to worship him and present your offering before him and watch. Watch when you do it God's way what happens. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.